a lot of different videos, their campaigns have different measurements of success. Some are about brand recognition, some are about converting clicks, some are about something else. So I think it's very important from the get-go before you can say is one more successful than the other, you have to say what was the goal of this video to begin with. Hey, it's Wayne Golden with the Video Marketing Value Podcast. I'm here with my co-hosts. One is Shelly Saves the Day, who's restreaming this to her awesome audience. Hello, Shelly. Hello. Happy Thursday, everybody. And also here with Gwen Miller. Also, Gwen I am on Twitter. Follow her. Hello, Gwen I am. I'm desperate for Twitter friends. Can you tell? <laughs> that was a good that was a good sort of let's all do our own if you're listening on podcast you can't see us doing the thumbs up but let's all let's all do that at the same time i think that's a good shot right oh yeah oh wait this way <laughs> <laughs> and uh okay i'm really challenging you guys today with a topic so the topic today is yeah but which video did better which which Shelly can translate for us into corporate speak. Shelly, how would we say this in the corporate speak? Well, okay, first of all, we're gonna have to define the the variables and measurements of success. Well, that already started. That's all corporate. corporate. Yeah. I was like, I was and I was like, that didn't sound much better. But what that means is a lot of different videos, their campaigns have different measurements of success. Some are about brand recognition, some are about converting clicks, some are about something else. So I think it's very important from the get-go before you can say is one more successful than the other, you have to say what was the goal of this video to begin with. So I would start there. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna go even further and say <laughs> what was the goal of the entire channel? Because you know, the easiest goal, of course, and 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 the top line metric that that you know everyone wants to look at is you know, how many views did it get or how many subscribers does the channel have? Is it growing? And those are, those are not unimportant numbers. Those are important numbers, but I always think of them sort of like as the fifth and sixth and most important numbers on YouTube to, to really understand where you're going. And I'm going to explain some anecdotes as we go along, but Gwen Miller, our views the number one and only thing you should look forward to when someone says, Gwen, how's our channel doing? You say, we got views, we're done. Here's this thing, no. I never look at overall views. N never as a measure Ooh, of success. Never. And here's kind of the reason why. There isn't a single metric that can say this is a successful video. Because what is success has to the point? Like you said, it's like, is this video helping me forward the goals of my channel? And the truth is, there are multiple goals for your channel, things you need to do to have a healthy channel. Yes, there is growth. You need to have new viewers coming in, but you need to keep your current audience happy. And you need to like create a, a super fan community. You can add this up into three to four different like buckets that you need to have a vibrant channel. But the truth is no single video typically can do all of them at the same time. So you're trying to make a cohesive upload schedule that moves the channel in the right direction every month. So one video might be really good at one bucket and that's a check mark. You did that. Another video check mark somewhere else. And that 
knits together Dane into being a successful video strategy. But if you do a one size fits all, then you're going to be chasing down in the, in the case of views, you end up becoming a monolithic viral views chasing channel where all your content feels the same, right? And that rarely builds up that core audience base that is required for long-term success. So you have to pull back from that myopic, but it got a shiny number level of, uh, of views because if you go one level deeper, you'll find out that, that is, it's like chaff among gold and you're missing the gold because you're running after the chaff. Well, we don't want to miss the gold. Being Dane Golden, we never <laughs> want to miss the gold. And we want to thank our uh, live stream listeners right now. And uh, I'm sure they're all coming through on Shelly's channel. They're Annette Portalatin, Mr. Camera Junkie, Ted Talks, Teaching with Emmy, Toya DTV, and others. And uh, also, you guys can watch this live stream on the VidiUp YouTube channel, which is my YouTube channel, V-I-D-I-U-P. And, and here's the thing, Gwen, and you and I have had this conversation on, on an ongoing basis. For a business that's gotten on YouTube and they're saying, great, we want to be on YouTube. How do we know if we're doing it right? certainly views and audience retention and all these things that we're going to talk about those, mm -hmm. but are they the right videos that are supposed to connect with your audience? I want to give an example. Uh, some, some time ago I worked with a top nonprofit, a top American nonprofit and one of their channels, the most traction for their videos was from the beginning of YouTube where someone had uploaded a SpongeBob SquarePants video. I don't know why they did it. It didn't seem to get caught up in the, um, in the, uh, the thing that checks copyrights. And <laughs> yeah. it was getting hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views and had nothing to do with the channel, did not drive wow. the channel at all. And at the time, I just left it at is, but today I would actually ask them to take it down, but um, brought in tons and tons of subscribers and views, and it really crapped the channel. Oh. Oh, I have I another imagine. example of that, too. Let's go to Shelly's example. Shelly okay, saves the so day. so I think this is a really good one, and if you've um, spent any time in, like, Clubhouse or talking uh, with them, so Dr. Sten, um, as he goes by online and his wife, um, because he is Swedish, former decathlon, Olympian, all of this stuff, he talks a lot about nutrition and health and everything. But one day um, they were convinced to make Swedish meatballs and they don't usually do <laughs> cooking or anything like that. And then it turned out, um, I think, because of some sort of PewDiePie reference who's also Swedish. Um, they had tons and tons of like young teenage boys into video games, which is so much farther than their ideal audience. And they, you know, it was like, it was great. They got lots of views, but crawling out of the hole from this influx of people who are not your ideal people to be viewing and watching, it really hurt their channel for a long time. And it, it's an interesting story because when you talk to Stan's other half, um, she will always commonly say like, this was a mistake, we shouldn't have done this, but you know, you live and you learn, which is always the thing with YouTube. But it was very, um, just a great 
example of just because you can get views doesn't mean they're the right views. This is why I love working with uh, talking with you, Jane, because (laughs) coming from from the background I have, right? In a lot of ways, we're, we're, you know, when we launch a channel, we're making content in search of an audience, right? And at the very beginning, we probably have a pretty good idea who we think is going to like this content. But, uh, you know, I've been proven wrong on certain channels in the past. You know, if you look at like, let's take an example of Bon Appetit, because that's something uh, everybody knows a lot of, right? When Bon Appetit launched their food channel, I'm pretty sure they thought they were going to get a majority female audience. At that point in, in time, food uh, uh, food channels typically, unless you were like, you know, epic mealtime. <laughs> where you're eating a bunch of big gross food. Typically, if it was a true food-focused show, it had a majority female audience. If you look at their metrics today, they're a majority male audience because that food space has shifted, right? And they can just roll with it. Now they're full in. At this point, they can't really like throw up a, a super like female-focused show and think it's going to do well on Bon Appetit. But at the beginning, they could kind of shift based on where their audience was going. What I love about thinking about company-driven channels is you come in with kind of a target audience, right? You you have goals that are outside of just, I want content to grow on this platform. And that includes finding the right customer. And that, to me, is a great mental like project to figure out then what content do I put up that focuses on this audience because to your point, I've seen so many, so many channels that bring in can bring in a large audience, but they're they are a failure in the metrics that really matter to a business, which is converting into a customer. So this is why this is fascinates me because it's this whole extra layer that I usually don't deal with. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is that even if you're coming in as a business, the types of folks you may be bringing in on YouTube may not encompass all the services that you you provide or could provide. With some businesses, and, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, uh, folks like Daryl Eve says this, Brian G. Johnson says this, find out your two or three buckets that you want to focus on initially when you're starting your channel, your main things. And if your business provides services to seven different verticals of, of customers, you may not want to focus on all of them at once. And generally when you come in, you have a pretty good hunch of who you should focus on. And you just sort of got to say, I think we can go after this group. Let's go after them based on your expertise, your ability and the types of customers you think, and also the competition. You may not be able to compete for certain types of topics or or things like that. And You know, I don't think you always want to, though. You know, it's this quantity quality conversation. Sorry if you had more on that that you were about to say, but it's just, yeah. Okay, go ahead. You finish. No, go. (laughs) Okay, I was just going to say, if you think about the fact that a lot of the time, we don't get paid that much in views. And in fact, I did an entire live stream where I broke down all of my eight or nine different revenue streams and AdSense and views and everything from TikTok and YouTube was such a small percentage of my overall revenue pie that again, it comes down to people are seeing it, but it's not the people who are buying my course. They're not um, calling me up for coaching and com- consultation. So is it the right audience? Because if the goal as a business is to create awareness or to make money, then just because you got the Swedish meatballs to get a couple (laughs) million views 
then it doesn't do anything if what you mm -hmm. are selling is a vegan, um, you know, like meat substitute. <laughs> you couldn't be any more farther from what you need to do as an ideal client or as an ideal avatar. So if you think about that, just like you can't sell a house to, you know, 50 people who come through in an open house and, and people may be like 50 people open house. This is great, but you only need one person to come through the open house and actually buy it. So it's again, honing in on the right buyer. And I think a lot of the optics that we all look at is, did it get views? Did it get likes? Did it get whatever? And I'm like, did it get conversion? Did a cash register sound go off? Did you close a sale or did you get someone into that no like trust factor so that they're more inclined to buy something from you? Because most businesses are not always only in the feel good category type of business. They're actually there to make money. Gwen Miller, your thoughts on that? Yeah. If, if you're, if you're starting, look, YouTube channels are a heavy lift. Like if you want an e easy lift, go write a couple text posts on Twitter, right? If you are starting <laughs> a YouTube channel as a business, it is for business purposes and it is a heavy lift. Number one though, you put the audience first because that's what gets you those conversions. But if you're putting the wrong audience first, it can be really fun for you and you're gonna get a nice little ego boost, right? But at the end of the day, you're putting so much time into this YouTube channel make sure that you're getting that little serotonin kick from the things that are actually going to mean that you'll be able to do this YouTube channel in a year, two years, and your big boss isn't going to come in and be like, yeah, I know you're having a lot of fun, but I'm not seeing any conversions or any sort of like actual success here for my business from this. So don't get distracted by the shiny. Concentrate on what your true goals are as a business. So as a, uh, as someone who consults for businesses that, that may be small businesses or may not get hundreds of thousands of views or even thousands of views per video, maybe just hundreds of views, we really focus on what is the type of question that the ideal customer has that you could answer if they didn't know you existed. They may very well know you exist, but let's pretend that they didn't. <laughs> Not to say that all traffic comes from search, but you have to intrigue them with a topic that is the type of thing that they want to know. And then you have to do all your video and structure and thumbnail and title and all those things. But when we ask internally, what is the type of topic we want to cover? We say, if they didn't know we existed, what would they want to know? And sometimes they don't even know what they want to know, but you can look through keywords, not to try to get SEO, but to understand topics that people are interested in and then make topics around those types of search terms, but they're not to get all your traffic from search. So we, we really think of this different. What's going to bring in leads? What's going to bring in business? Because for some businesses, just a few views, could mean if the right people could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. Shelly, Shelly saves the day. Absolutely. What, um, what kind, let's give some examples of a good, we're just going to postulate a certain type of company. Um, I don't really, I'm not thinking of any good examples, but you, you deal with this a lot. What types of good topics, how do people decide what topics are good? Um, for a business, um, when it comes to it, 
And I think that Gwen had kind of hit on this a little bit before too, but there are these content strategies and buckets that you can go after. So like I had, uh, remember last week, Phil from TubeBuddy um, yeah. founder was here and he was talking about like, what's the percentage makeup that we would have of launching a new channel for a business, right? And it's like, how much of a percentage of it is around community building? How much of it is about product awareness? And then how much of it is that slow sale for trying to close the deal? And if you think about it, a lot of the time you need many and they talk, you know, customer touches, you know, or, or exposures to an audience before they're willing to either open their wallets or open their comment section or whatever else it is to you. So if you think about it, when you start to think of what your content strategy is going to look like, you are going to have videos that very much are about creating the community and ones that are about showing what the product that you have does or how fixes a problem that that person is already having. And then there's going to be a certain percentage, probably smaller, hopefully, that is the hard sale, buy this, promotional, um, limited time offer, get it now type of thing. So it could be all of, and it is going to be all of them, but it's going to be in chunks. Like, you know, it was that 60, 30, 10 split for me, but it could be um, different based on the uh, type of vertical that you may be in. So if you're in luxury yachts, it may be a lot of community building, building the lifestyle picture, a lot of tours, a lot of isn't this amazing, very small amount of um, actually buy this thing because re really you're painting the picture of what it is to live this lifestyle, this high rise, you know, in New York or this luxury million dollar yacht or the one million dollar tour bus. And there's very few people who are actually going to afford to buy it, but a lot of people who enjoy the content of around it. So there's a lot. Um, and you can't spend 80% of your video trying to sell a million dollar yacht through a YouTube video or something like that. So it's really about the community building and actually um, product awareness more so than anything else. So if one day someone wins the lottery and says, wow, I really need to buy a yacht, then they remember your video, hopefully. And they're like, that's the one, that's the super yacht for me. And that person is like, yes, pitching. Well, I'll tell you when we're managing YouTube channels for businesses, we start to, you know, first video goes up day one, we're starting looking at the analytics and, and we look at a couple of things right off the bat. We look at the click through rate. We look at the audience retention, which doesn't come in to play for a day or so, but we can look, we can't look at the graph, but we can look at the estimated audience retention duration. Is it four minutes? Is it five minutes? Is it 10 minutes? And we're also looking at the speed at which the video is being shown and played. So how many views is it getting at what duration? Because YouTube in their analytics, right at the first thing you look at for any video in the analytics is how fast it's getting views. And how does that compare to your normal funnel of, you know, just if you, if you guys have ever watched hurricanes coming into Florida, they'll say it's going to come in in this area here. And if it goes left or right, <laughs> they're not really a hundred percent sure. And that's the same thing they have in the, in the, uh, YouTube analytics. They say, we think your views are going to come in around here, but it could be higher, could be lower. And so we, we watch for that. And sometimes if the views are really coming in low, we take a second take this is on day one we say you know what that thumbnail's wrong or that title's wrong let's just re let's just change it no no way of knowing for sure if it's going to work but sometimes you will see in that day one you'll see that that thing take a different turn sometimes it's better sometimes it's worse but usually it's for the better because you sort of figured out something that didn't work 
And you can sometimes really actually change during day one the course of the views for the lifetime of that video just by looking at those graphs. So those are things we look at on day one to see how videos are doing. Gwen Miller, do you look at similar numbers or different numbers? Yes, look, I love this new card. I say new, it's been around for a while, but for those of us who've been on YouTube for a long time, they didn't used to have such kind of user-friendly tools for that first day, which means I spent a lot of my time calming down, you know, executives <laughs> who are like, oh my God. So the great thing about this card is that you can kind of also pinpoint where your problem is. Because a lot of the times, if you just look at overall views, you'd be like, it's doing badly. Let's go crazy and change everything. And obviously, if you change everything, you're never going to know what you changed to make, make it right. Uh, but the nice thing about them breaking down CTR uh, separate from average view duration there is you can, you can kind of tell then if, if the CTR is low, change that thumbnail, change that title, go for it. If that CTR is actually pretty high in that first day, it indicates your audience is interested in the topic, but maybe they didn't like the video. Then you're just kind of screwed, right? Because what mm. are you going to do then? You can't, can't change the video post putting the video up but at least it's not gonna make you spin your wheels switching out your thumbnail and title nonstop when it really was people were interested in the topic, you just didn't deliver. Uh, vice versa, like a lot of times people will panic me like this was a terrible video and you say, no, actually when people got into it, they really liked this content. Do not change how you're producing the actual meat of the content. Instead, you need to up your game in thumbnails and, 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 and titling. And Shelly saves the day. I'm gonna ask you, so, um, I'm going to postulate you, you're managing a YouTube channel and it's for a business that is not, their goal is not necessarily to grow millions of subscribers or views. Their goal is to bring in leads and convert business. And they tell you, tell me why video A that ran last week is better than video B that ran this week. What would you do? What would you ask? Uh, the analytics. And oh, I want to say when Gwen says card, I didn't want people to get confused because that's yeah. YouTube's language. You might think of it as a widget or just a section within analytics. Uh, that's what she calls a card. Yeah. But Shelly says the day, what would you say? Well, <laughs> video A is better because of what? Okay. So I always, I think my dependable answer is almost always it depends. So yeah. okay. it, de right. it depends on many factors, one of which uh, could be seasonality or topic. Um, it could be if, you know, this week the Olympics are going on um, and you put out a video about the Olympics, people are interested. But if the Olympics ended last week, people don't really care as much because it's not current. So if you then have a video that was not about the Olympics, but instead goes back to your regularly scheduled programming, right, um, that could absolutely be a reason or if it was valentine's day and you had the oh you better get a gift really quickly because it's next week and next week is too late because they've already missed the holiday and they're in the doghouse for whatever reason unless your video is how to get out of the doghouse because you forgot to get a valentine's day present it wouldn't probably um be a big surprise if if it didn't perform as well so i mean it could be topic based it could be calendar based it could be seasonality based it could be um just if you've already also hit on a topic and you did it really, really well. So a lot of people will be like, hey, my video is performing. Let's do another one because it's doing well. But let's say there's no new point that you're adding and it's just like superfluous fluff. People don't 
actually enjoy it, then absolutely your next video could tank, even though it's on a subject that's already trending on your channel. So there's so much that could be looked at as to potential reasons why that barometer is different from what you're thinking, mm. that it's almost hard to be like, here's the one reason. But if you did do something, um, there are different ways that I might even measure success, such as like, if it was a call to action to like an email list or to a freebie or to something like that, and you did a different UTM link for something that was in one description versus another, and you wanted to say, hey, based on they both got around a couple thousand views, is there one that converted a lot better when it either came to average view duration, email list signups, anything like that, that would actually make it more distinguishable as to why it would be better? Then I would look at that and be like, okay, now we have more data to play off of. Not to tangent us, Dane, but... <laughs> Tangent away. Shelly just mentioned something that I actually dealt with this week. So the Valentine's Day issue. So mm -hmm. I always tell my teams, look, for most, uh, for most, uh, you know, uh, holidays, you need to get that video up at least two weeks in advance. Yes. Because as soon as that holiday hits, nobody wants to watch a Valentine's Day video anymore. And my t teams always without fail will be like, so we're putting up this video three days before Valentine's Day. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> And this specific one, they're like, and it was so frustrating because the host forgot to mention the word Valentine's Day. But it's just a romantic look. I was like, perfect. Great. So literally what my channel <laughs> manager is doing is for the three days before Valentine's Day, that video is going up with like romantic look for Valentine's Day. Soon as the, as the 14th is done, maybe even on the 14th, we're going to change that over to just like a romantic Valentine's Day look inked title. So then that video is evergreen. So anyways, a little bit of a tangent because it's very, very true. There are so many forces that go into this. Now, second tangent, I want to grill the audience for the second. because Oh, yeah. Blaine Speak up in chat. Blaine just said something very interesting because this is something that I have and we've talked about. So she's actually saying she was not sub to this channel. She was not sub to Shelly Slaves the Day, but this live stream was still recommended to her by YouTube. And traditionally, I, I don't see YouTube really recommending a lot of live streams of people you're not subscribed to, probably because most people don't really want to hear strangers, you, you know, potentially ramble. They want to see a, you know, a edited video from you, then maybe they'll watch you live stream once they've done a connection. So what I want to know from Blaine is, do you watch a lot of like business oriented videos or videos that are like about YouTube strategy? What is it about your viewing behavior that would make YouTube confident enough that even if you didn't know us, you were so into this topic, that you're likely to click on it. Cause that I'm very interested in that because this is something I, 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 I guess. Yeah. You, we, I struggle with a lot is like live streams. Yeah. Great for your core audience. Can it bring you new audiences? What's your guess, Shelly? <laughs> oh, I was going to say though, Blaine actually made a comment about how they recognize me from the tube buddy channel, which is, you know, YouTube, oh, YouTube strategy video. Yeah. So if, because I was on the tube buddy channel and they enjoy tube buddy videos, they may then see me inside of a different live stream or whatever. Also talking about YouTube, maybe that is the connection for YouTube. That Blaine, makes a lot of sense. Blaine may be a man. Um, their, their icon is bald, so I, oh, I, can't, I, can't see. I just will oh. presume. Gwen has glasses on, but the screen is far away. So, <laughs> so they mean she, Gwen means nothing as an insult. It, please do not take it that way. <laughs> 
She, I just, she I just have to be up to the screen. I just and, like, do the speaking. opposite that most people are. I just default to everyone must be female, not that everyone must be male in my default oh, okay. language. So <laughs> like I've been working with women for 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 ten years straight. I want to add that you know in uh, marketing speak, there's this thing called attribution, and often it comes from you know ads because people say, well. You know, they saw us on this, but then we remarketed, you know, maybe they saw us on Facebook or they saw our website, then we remarketed them then on Facebook and then they saw us over on Instagram and then we remarketed to them over on YouTube. And then they saw, they did a Google search for us and they came up with our organic YouTube video. <laughs> how do they, which one is responsible to the sale or how many different platforms did they see and what was their proportion? And, and this is sort of the holy grail of determining where to put your money, right? Because that's what marketers want to know is where should I put my budget? Which one was the good one, right? And it's sort of like saying, I don't know, so in a way it's sort of like saying, well, I, I heard it from a friend and you're like, well, which friend? And how much, how much did you value? What's that? That's the grapevine. The grapevine, right. <laughs> but, you know, a friend told me to, to come in here to your restaurant. Well, which friend? Well, a couple told me. Well, which one did you value more? And how many did the other person tell you? How many times did they tell you to come in? So it's a very difficult thing. And, you know, as consumers, we don't really always know which thing carried more weight. What they can tell you usually is which thing was the last thing you looked at not always why it was the last thing. For instance, you may as a consumer have followed that path that I just, this windy path to learning about this brand or this business or this product or service. And then you went and you watched three videos. Great. How does the business know you watch three YouTube videos? They do not. They may, you may very well be, as a consumer, you may be watching a number of videos and then at some point you're like, darn it, today's the day I am buying that new microphone. Mm -hmm. But then what do you do? You may just Google it and then you click on it and it's, and that, that um, and people who do YouTube ads actually make sure that they focused on uh, what's it called? Brand word searches. Uh, the things when you put your own name at the top of Google. Is that what it's called? Brand word? Brand searches. So if I put the are my business name at the top of at the top because I'm doing paid ads on Google and people click on that, what's happening is that let's say you're doing a paid campaign, you're putting a lot of money in. Suddenly, the people who may be in a totally different team are like, hey, look at all this great success we're having. I have no idea why we're having such great success, but we've got 20% increase in clicks on our brand name this week. And that's why the people that do ads will say, hey, that's our, that's due to us. We get credit for that. So we've done this for some businesses is we've actually, you know, Shelly, you mentioned doing a UTM code in the description. So just for the folks who don't know what that is, it's just a way that you can track in, in Google Analytics where exactly the link came from because Google Analytics will track very easily what a web page, but for some reason, they refuse to tell you what YouTube video it came from. They own both of those things. They just choose not to tell you. Um, but if you put a, a link in there, 
that that tracks it exactly, then you can know exactly which video it came from. It's a bit confusing to do and it's not that easy to do for every different video and you know what for small businesses it's not really worth it because it's a lot of management of different links and i've managed those i've done that and it's easy to get confused and you put one on the wrong page so it is just very difficult to know which video drove those clicks Mm -hmm. that's a really long diatribe but it's important for businesses to know that i think yeah Uh, And I also think, you know, this is coming from the other side of it. This is also one of the reasons I encourage every creator not to take uh, pay for conversion deals. Uh, You know, no, 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 never, never. For me, affiliate is great if it's like you were going to make the video anyways. You don't you haven't even talked to this company, but they have an affiliate program that you can just make some extra money off of. Go for it. But when you're talking about this company reached out to you and has given you requirements to do this deal, you're putting the work in and they want to pay on conversion. Let me tell you, you're not capturing your full value. For example, I worked on a campaign that almost a year ago now that was for a treadmill. A year later, I'm still thinking about buying that treadmill. I will probably buy that treadmill, but will that company at all know that was caused by that YouTube brand deal from a year ago? Absolutely not. And I'm about to buy a $1,500 treadmill. Like that YouTube creator should get some credit for that. But because of how uh, the system is set up these days, and obviously until the world of like AI, it's probably impossible to track. But still, this is why you need to get paid for awareness as well. Now, you could give a bonus based on instant conversions, but you need to be aware as a creator or a channel taking brand deals that your worth is more than what people will convert in a 30-day period. I'm going to challenge you. I agree, but I'm going to challenge you because I'm a business. I've paid an influencer. I've paid 10 influencers for a similar campaign. Which one worked? Which one worked best? Tell me. How do you know? How do you know which which of the campaigns? Uh, yeah, which best? which one should I work with next time? Because I only want the top five for next time. How do I know? <laughs> I'm gonna say it depends. <laughs> it always comes back to it depends. Did they deliver the work on time? Did you have to do rework and edits? Did was it factually correct? Did you have to make edits for that? Were they difficult to work with? Did they accept payment on time? Were their terms flexible? Did they get a commission? And did you have to go through multiple layers of like not only restrictions and revisions, but actually how easy was it to communicate with them? Were they a prima donna? Like those types of things, which are intangible soft skills are also rolled into the equation. And then as the, on the other side, if you are the influencer or creator, if you are someone, if you think about it, you would never want to do a 30 day like uh, guarantee or a view guarantee, because what if it also was around the Olympics or Valentine's day, but it is, you know, October and you know, that video is going to pop off again when it comes to January, February. So if you rolled it all into, it has to hit so many views in the first 30 days, you are shooting yourself in the foot. And let's not forget that there is that seasonality that's going to come. And so what happens if your best video performs, but four months later, and you're now out of contract for your rolling 90 days to get paid your bonuses. So if you think about that, like maybe there could be some bonuses for the first 90 days, but even after that, that channel or that video is going to live on the channel unless you have some sort of morality clause where you're going to pull it down because the company gets in hot water or you do. It's going to live on your channel usually forever. So what is the return on investment for a company when, let's say, three years ago when Peloton wasn't doing very well, when then all of a sudden 
the pandemic happened and everyone was working out from home and then sales went through the roof and you had a video that was a very detailed breakdown of the bike and all of a sudden everyone is using your code and you're getting millions of views. That is absolutely a true scenario of what could have happened. So okay, I would I have, never I have do a couple, abuse. I have a couple things to add here because you know, working with brands, brands also need to quantify in some way. So typically what I encourage brands to do is quantify to look at whether you'll work with this creator again, not as much on the exact number you're going to pay now, right? And you should look at, you should look at the views as awareness, right? How many people are now aware of my brand? Then you should look at clicks. And to this point, yes, I always do a trackable link. If I'm doing something where someone is is paying me a lot of money to put something on my channel, I'm going to track it so I can prove my value. And a lot of the time, especially as you see your, your products getting more expensive that you may be uh, doing a brand deal for, you're going to see the click-through rate be pretty high. Maybe the conversion is fairly low. So those clicks to me are, this is interest, right? This is interest that will likely probably convert later. So that is something I definitely talk to brands about. Be like, hey, look at this interest in your product. And then yes, you should also look at conversions because there are certain people who, if such an abysmal amount of their uh, of their audience converts in, in a short period of time, it, it's probably not. It's probably a likely an indication of not an audience match. So maybe down the line, you need to go towards the creators that are in these categories that seem to be performing a little bit better. Oh, I got one more. I got one more. I'm going to call on Shelly. Go ahead, <laughs> thank you, Shelly. Thank you. Um, I had posted out on Twitter maybe last week and I said, you know, for brands, this is just one reason why you can't base your sales budget or your want, your willingness to work with creators on one metric alone. I'm like, you need to do your research. But I said, um, and it was, I showed three different DMs that I had gotten on Instagram. Um, it's like, you know, buy a hundred thousand followers for a hundred dollars. That's all it takes is a hundred dollars to buy fake influence. And then they have other ones that are like, we'll also do a like and engagement campaign. So, you know, some of these brands are obviously going to see that you have 50,000 followers, but you only have two likes on your last photo. So we'll go in there and saturate some of your photos with likes too. But at the end of the day, right, you could go out and buy some of your views for your YouTube video, hit your bonus and be like, hey, look at me, I got this. But if you didn't buy, if, if no one bought a single Peloton bike and that was your contracted video, what good is that company working with you and getting 50,000 views, uh -huh. even if they were all bought artificial? and no one bought anything right so if you think about it that money is all wasted just down the toilet and it would have been better served to go with a smaller channel with an authentic audience who actually i don't know is a spin instructor or does something like that and it's not far out of left field and is authentic to their brand with a real genuinely engaged audience i'm, I'm going to ask gwen a different i'm going I'm to change topic a little bit gwen can i say one more thing about this yeah, topic and then you can change topics. Sorry, I mean, I'm getting really excited about this. I think Shelly and I could probably talk about this for another four hours. But the last thing I'll note, because this is a very interesting new development in this space, it's so interesting because to Shelly's point, these integrations tend to live forever on the platform. And one would think advertisers would look at that and be like, this is a bonus for me. Advertisers do not. 
this is something that for the traditional advertisers, I spend a lot of time explaining to them that, hey, this lives here forever. And they're like, but I only want it to live there for the, for the flight of this campaign. And that is usually because they don't want to mix messaging with their campaigns for a couple of reasons. Now they have a new ma mascot in one year and the old mascot is flying around. Or they have a, a limited time offer and they know it annoys consumers if there's an offer they can no longer redeem. So uh, with the advent of the YouTube editor, it is now possible to have that ad up there only for the flight of the video because you can yank it out. Now the YouTube editor is fairly blunt, a blunt instrument, <laughs> a blunt, blunt instrument. But if you shoot it right so that it, you can do a clean cut at the beginning of the end, you don't just leave the product sitting around in the background. You, you're not talking over the transitions. So you can easily pull it out. You now have the option. And what's funny about this, we actually sell this as a benefit to our advertisers that they can have it just for the flight. So something to keep in mind, if you have advertisers coming to you asking if that's possible, where it was not a possible year and a half ago, it is now possible to do that. Okay. And I, and, and I want to just explain for people who don't know what the YouTube editor is. It's not that guy or gal that's editing that video for you. It's actually a tool called the YouTube editor. And what you can mm -hmm. do like a surgeon, you can go and you can excise a part and pull that out of the video. Now I can tell you it works most of the time, but sometimes <laughs> it doesn't work right. And I have gotten things <laughs> out of sync. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it, I think a lot of it depends on the way you export the video somehow. Um, but uh, you can always revert that back out mm -hmm. and, and try it again. Uh, yeah. But, but Gwen, I wanted to touch on something that a lot of people don't realize, even, even people who have YouTube channels that gets tons of views, they don't realize that not all views on all channels are just from someone showing up and watching it. They are combined, what we call organic and paid views, meaning somebody published a video on their YouTube channel. I mean, every ad is on a YouTube channel somewhere, but sometimes mm -hmm. they're hidden there as unlisted videos. Right. So yeah. only if you knew the URL, could you find it? But a lot of business channels will say, this is great. Um, all we need to do is publish any video and we just need distribution, that word distribution, because that's the magic thing that's going to turn around our business. So Gwen, I'm going to need a million views on this video. And you're saying it's only going to get 100,000. You're just saying, well, just run, run it as an ad and get me more views. Is that success? Does that mean that video that got a million views, does that mean it did better than the one that was just organic and got 100,000 views? For an, from an organic uh, perspective, no. And from a conversion perspective, like, you know, obviously they're not the super fans of your audience who are likely to convert. But I will say there is a big uh, opportunity for paid. You know, a lot of the times I think it's a little bit these brands who say that. I'm a little bit like, that's not actually the strategy you should be using, where you're just taking the long form YouTube video 
putting behind, paid behind it to hit these views numbers. Mm -hmm. A lot of creators will do that to kind of arbitrage their way where they figured out that, hey, I know I'm not going to get this organically, but I, I can charge them a higher CPV and I can buy the views for lower CPV. I make money in the end. If I, what I suggest to businesses when I'm working for the business rather than working for the creator, here's what I suggest to them. What you want to be doing is you want to be running that full video, that full 10 minute YouTube video with your two minute integration just organically. Then you wanna do a separate deal and you have to pay more money for this. I cannot emphasize enough. You have to pay more money for these rights. Uh, it's not fair to the creator and most creators are more savvy than than, than, than this now. No, they're you not. Have you well, have to educate be. them. Yes, they should be. Make them pay for advertising rights. But then what you can do is you pull out that two-minute two minute integration, and then you're running that two-minute integration as its own separate ad, right? So it's nice and succinct. You don't have to get through all that organic stuff. And what you can do with this, what is really powerful, because remember, especially with bigger items, like remember that uh, treadmill I was mentioning earlier, you need multiple touch points for that person to convert. So you can hit them again. And especially if you have another creator that's promoting that product, you hit that one from that other, from this other creator's audience with this additional voice in paid advertising, say, hey, you should buy this. And it just starts to add up. You can do lookalike audiences. There's a lot you, lot you can do to kind of expand out the impact of this piece of content outside of the actual organic audience that is proven to be very, very effective in actually resulting in that. I, I just want to make sure I understand what you're, what you're talking about here. So what you're saying, a creator on their channel who you've done a paid activation with, they have run a video and within that video, there is, let's say a two minute chat about your product. Mm -hmm. You pay the creator extra as a brand for these paid video rights. And what you do is you remove, you don't remove, but you duplicate the two minutes where they were talking about you. You put it on your own brand channel as a standalone video unlisted. You could, or, or most of the time what I recommend is that the, you buy the rights to the creator to actually put it on their channel. So it's coming from as them. unlisted as unlisted. Yeah. And then you, with your Google ads account, you've connected it Correct. with the creator account. Mm -hmm. And then you promote that as a, either a pre-roll ad or a standalone um, ad where people can click on it. And that gets a lot of views. It will be an unlisted video. You would never want to do this as a public ad video. And then that is additionally driving traffic and attention and awareness. Is that correct? Correct. And it's reinforcing. This is the what remarketing is all about is reinforcing the messaging because no very few people buy on the first exposure. Mm -hmm. I want to chat just a little bit about some of the other things that we do to determine if a video is going is the, the doing well or which video is doing better on your channel. So we talk about audience retention a lot and what that means, you know, it's old hat to us, but it's not to everyone. And, and there's a lot of nuances to it. There is a number and a graph uh, and a, it's in a few places in your YouTube analytics. And what it tells you, YouTube has offered this amazing 
data to us, an amazing thing because no other platform in the history of time that deals with video has offered us more data about how video is working on a given channel. What this tells us on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, on a second-to-second -second basis, I'm gonna focus on me for a second so people can see my hand motion here, is it starts up here and there's fewer people looking at it in second two than second three and fewer people in second four and sometimes it goes up a little bit sometimes it goes down you can think of it sort of like a terrain map or a ski map if you're if you're on uh, if you're a skier sometimes if you've ever been on those very difficult ski slopes it's a double black diamond because whatever people start watching they want to leave as fast as possible some people call it a waterfall you do not want to be in that situation in most cases where people just start and they just want to get the heck off there. So that type of number is a really good indicator of if your one video is more valuable than another. Sometimes you've made a mistake. Sometimes you've just pitched the video wrong. I always say that the, the biggest influence on why someone stops watching right away is you have, you've, you've pitched them on something with your title and topic and thumbnail, and then in those first few seconds, you're not delivering on what you promised. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because people don't wanna wait around for you to generally get around at some point five minutes in to what you promised. But audience retention is a huge way of finding out, even if the views are poor compared to your normal videos, if you have really delivered, it's a topic that you know brings in your customer your targeted customer wants to know this and they're watching all the way through and in a minute or two minutes in uh they are still watching then you should keep doing it there's uh by the way we have uh rob from tubebuddy in the chat they have something called the i think it's called the retention analyzer am i correct it's a tool that helps you Check, compare your videos and how long somebody's, how many people are there at one minute or two minute or three minutes. So that's a great tool, um, but that's a really important thing. And then click through, have they done, have they really, are they really clicking through? So those are two really good ways. And I want to add another one, which is sometimes if you're a small business, you actually get people in the comments saying, Hey, I'm interested, please contact me. And if you are a small business and this is not happening, I would say encourage people to comment more often. Um, is it possible to get people, get, to get business from YouTube comments in most businesses, Shelly saves the day? Absolutely. Have you ever, has, has <laughs> right, ever happened right. to you? It's just cut and dry on that one. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, have you ever of... seen that happen? Like <laughs> so people want to contact you for consulting or other things in just in your comments on YouTube? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it'll be something like um, they have a specific question, something regards to YouTube. And if it's something that was in the video, but not really covered, I'm like, hey, that's not really what, you know, this video or something was about. It's maybe in this live stream or something. And they're like, oh, actually, uh, could you just coach me through how to do this? In fact, I got an email sent to me because I appeared as a guest on someone else's show. And they said, I saw you on X person show. You look like you know what you're doing when it comes to live streaming. Could I have a session with you on how to set up live streaming gear? So that's business that's drummed up for me as a consultation from not even my own channel, but from being on someone else's. So it's the same. It, it's absolutely, as long as you're 
online showing competence and sometimes confidence. And if it's something that someone is looking to do or want more information on, they'll find a way to contact you. Hopefully you make it really easy for them, but um, they'll contact you and be like, I need some of that knowledge that you have. And, and Gwen Miller, tell me if I'm just looking at someone else's business channel, I don't have access to their analytics. I'm just someone, maybe I'm a competitor, maybe I'm thinking of doing business with them. Maybe I just want to learn to analyze YouTube channels and I just don't have that access. What are some things I could look for at that other person's channel and say, mm -hmm. I think they're doing it right. I think they're getting business. I think this is actually good for them. What would you look for? Well, it, it's funny Rob Gable is here uh, because if you don't have the money to get a tubular account, which was one of his, one of one of his past businesses, which is really expensive, here's a couple of things that you can do if you're looking at your competitive set because it can get a little bit. You're like, wow, they're killing it because you see these really high views. Well, you got to understand that anyone can buy views, right? So one of the little tricks that I tell people to do is look at that engagement rate. So add up those likes, dislikes, and those, and those total comments divided by the total amount of views. So typically we usually see engagement rates, you know, around 1%. If this is really a paid, something that's really, really businessy and kind of advertising, it's going to be a bit lower than that. But you can really tell there's paid when you start getting down to that like 0.12%, 0.1%. Like you can be pretty sure they're pumping some paid through there. So you can kind of look at that then and not and be like, okay, and I have a formula I use to then figure out how much I think the actually organic was. And then that can give you an idea of this is what kind of the organic reaches versus here's what they're doing with the paid. Here's kind of what's the, you know, what am I seeing in the comments? Like there are things you can do to try to get at your competitive advantage here and whether this is kind of smoke and mirrors or they're actually doing something, you know. That's interesting that you bring that up though, only because I had heard from people as a uh, strategy that one thing they would do is do an unlisted video, run ads against it, then later make it public to then contact the brand and be like, wow, look at how how well like this video is doing. Like imagine right. if we work together. Minute one, minute one, it got <laughs> Wow. I want to mention something again. I'm going to call Blaine again. Blaine again. He has a great comment here, which is something that I see a lot in doing brand deals. And as I've gotten further in my career, I've gotten very vocal with brands, which is my job. My channel's job is to drive you business and to get that purchase intent in there. But a lot of the time when we have run the data on what campaigns fail, a lot of times that failure point is in the conversion and it links yes. back to how they've designed that conversion experience on their landing page. Absolutely. So a lot of the times, like I will be pretty assertive when we're getting, getting you know, brand to get together, which is like, I'm only comfortable in doing this if you make these improvements to your conversion experience, because otherwise I'm not going to give you value because they're not going to convert. I have to agree with that. I've seen um, in some campaign instances where an influencer, you know, is like, okay, I'm going to drive traffic to the site. Clicks, clicks are coming in, it's showing. But if you're not able to close them, it's because you have your UI that's confusing. You have a layout that isn't conducive to um, providing enough value on that page for people to click check out. It's because, you know, like so many different types of factors could be that your site is broken, doesn't even work, um, mm -hmm. which has also happened before. It could be that it goes to a 
kind of non-functional page that is really not like I said, descriptive enough to give them enough information. And when they get confused and they start clicking around other places and it's not easy for them to buy because they're convinced, then you've, you, you're really going to lose them. And that's not on the creator because the creator got their audience to mm-hmm. the page. You failed to close them because you're outdated UI, because you're bad um, you know, information that's on the page. And that's also on you. If you wanted to test that, you could have even two different landing pages. You know, um, you know, ones with a, an old UI and ones with a new one. And then you would see, too, what does and with a heat map where basically people are showing where they're clicking. Where did they go? Did they get confused? Did they not hover on the right click button? That's all after the people have gotten there. But it could be I've seen it before where you can't even have a measure of success except for how many people land on that on that page because the page itself was so ugly. Well, we've come to the end of our hour and another great conversation. And if you want to uh, listen to these while you're driving or doing the dishes or walking the dog, go to videomarketingvalue.com. That's where we have these all archived in audio form. And I'm publishing them on my VidiUp channel. And Shelly Saves the Day is publishing them to her channel. So check us out there and comment and subscribe and, and just tell us how we're doing uh, Gwen Miller, how can people find you? Uh, come follow me on LinkedIn. That is definitely my platform I'm, I'm the most active on. But again, I am trying to get better at Twitter. So follow me on Gwen I Am, or you can search for Gwen Miller and you can find me. And Shelly Saves the Day, how can people find you? You can find me everywhere online as Shelly Saves the Day and Shelly Saves the on Twitter. And um, on Thursdays, right after this live one, I always go live on my channel too. And I'm Dean Golden. Find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, wherever you want to find me. I'll be there. Until next week, here's to helping you help your customers through videos.